and welcome to this festive Over the Farmgate podcast episode with me, Farmers Guardian's Features Editor, Emily Ashworth. Christmas is nearly here, so this week I chat to Matt Slack, a fifth generation butcher from Doncaster. He is taking his craft to the masses and has over 100,000 followers on TikTok. He talks to me about Christmas meats and changing consumer habits. I also speak to Beth Withers. She lives on a farm near Birmingham with her husband and three young children. Beth is a hugely popular farming and family blogger, so I want to know all about her Christmas traditions and festive fun. It's certainly one of my favourite times of year, and I hope that this podcast puts you in the Christmas spirit. In your opinion, Matt, and obviously, you know, working in the butchers, do most people still buy a traditional turkey for Christmas, or has that changed? Uh, no, uh, yeah, yeah. Christmas is very traditional for everybody. Uh, it's mainly turkeys. They have moved on to boneless turkeys more than the whole turkeys, but it's still turkey related. Most of the things inside Christmas is turkey. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's very, it's still very traditional turkey. Christmas people are, yeah, they're not. Uh, they're, they're moved on to ribs of beef a little bit, but main, main. Main thing people buy at Christmas is turkeys. Either whole ones or the boneless ones. More boneless than whole now, so. And have you found more people coming to you, you know, as a family business, for example, looking at everything that's happened in the news um, in the turkey sector over the last uh, couple of months? Has, has, have more people been coming to, to the shop to... No, I don't think that's just fair. No, I mean, we always get a really good following at Christmas. Every butcher in country should have a good following at Christmas and if they don't then they're not doing job very well yeah um, uh, I mean we do one or two people have come in panicking we're more regular customers that have they've ordered turkeys and they're panicking that we're not going to have it for them one thing or another and you will I would imagine this next week we'll see the last minute dot com people that's been around everywhere else trying to find a nice turkey they can't find one so they're going to come try at butchers but we've, we've had them for the last 10 years and over the last five years, we've just said we don't, we're not taking no more orders. That's it. We've, we're done. All those regulars are ordered. All those turkeys are hanging up today. They're plucking them now. So, yeah, we have our, in fact, we're, we, we're here as own turkeys. We buy them as day olds, and then we put them under heat lamps, and then we run them up up to killing weight, which is about fourteen pound in weight. Uh, and we have one hundred and eighty, and when they're gone, they're gone. Right. I was going to say, how many do you do? One hundred and eighty. We do every year. And we sell hundred. We'll usually sell about hundred and fifty. We always keep. We always put some in freezer for for Easter because we get one or two people asking at Easter for turkeys. Right. Um, but then we just pretty much sell frozen ones. We put them in, in our fridge at front and freezer and sell them as frozen turkeys throughout the year. Just out. We don't. Of- we don't buy anything from anywhere else. We only buy. We only. We only sell what we can produce ourselves. We don't buy, try and buy anything from anywhere else. Yeah. Just um on that Easter. What's the What's the deal there? Is that just like an Easter an Easter meal? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the older generation. The old, it's, it's a bit like a New Year's Day meal for some of the, the older generation that's been coming for a lot of years. Oh, they like yeah. to get the they like to get the families around and now at Easter and have an Easter meal. I think it's just an excuse to have a good good grub like. Yeah, and they've, they've done it for years and years and years. And we we as we said it's nothing like Christmas. Absolutely nothing like Christmas. How busy we are, but it's it's still. You know, we'll, we'll sell maybe 15 turkeys at, at Easter as well. Wow. Okay. And obviously, you can't, you can't get turkeys at Easter, so we have to we have to have them frozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. But we're selling them. We're selling them as frozen turkeys anyway. Don't we? Don't try and sell them as anything else other than frozen turkeys. So. And what about actually advice on um, cooking a turkey then? Because obviously you do all your videos on TikTok and you've become quite the uh, TikTok star, it seems. So what what would you say the best way to cook a turkey is? Get your mum to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, That'll be my answer uh, as well. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I was I take great pride in cooking our turkeys. My mum's always cooked them for, we always go to mum's for Christmas dinner. There's 32 of us for the Christmas dinner at my mum's. And uh, I always generally get left to cook the turkey. Uh, and I... Uh, basically, the key is is time, time and basting your turkey. Don't try and rush it because you can't. You're going to need at least a minimum. Even a small 12, 10 pound turkey will take a minimum of five hours cooking time. And you've got to turn it down to about 150, 160 and let it roast. Let its, let its flavours come together. And then last, last half an hour, turn it up and, and basically fry it off, crisp it off. But you've got to keep undoing wrapping and just keep basting it. Keep putting the, the juice and everything that comes back out, out of it. Keep pouring it back on. And that's the key to it, really, to be fair. Time and basting. Um, do you put anything in, in the roasting tray with it? What do you put inside? Is it onions? Do you, you know, you've got different veg in there. What about that side of things? I put a little bit of white wine in, man, in the bottom, in the tray. And then I put it on like a, a cooling tray and I just lift the turkey off the, off the bottom of the tray. You know, onto put it on a, on a cooling tray and then just cover it in tinfoil and it gets like a nice white wine aroma weight and mixing it with juices and it makes the most fantastic gravy. Lovely, sounds good to me. What about <laughs> what about um? Obviously, we we just uh, put a video up of you with um, showing people how to do the bacon lattice on a on a turkey. Is that something that you guys oh, yeah. do as well, or is that just? Yeah, I was, well, I, the thing is, the, the legs cook a lot quicker than the breasts, don't they? Mm. So the idea of baking is to cover the breasts, to stop the breast burning and cremating the breast. So, yeah, every, everybody should should put uh, bacon on, on top of a turkey. I mean, to be fair, streaky bacon, when it's been on, on a turkey for a good hour, hour and a half, is the nicest bacon mm. you'll ever eat in your life, isn't it? It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's what they're fine for, they'd rather eat that than turkey. Yeah. <laughs> And is it just turkey for you guys on, on Christmas lunch or do you have other meats as well? <laughs> well, that's a bit of a should. <laughs> we get we get generally get what's left. Yeah. We start with we start with we we'll we'll put my mum down a turkey down, usually the biggest turkey. It's about a twenty pound turkey. We'll we'll hang back from my mother. And then we have it to about three days before Christmas and then we start missing orders or forgetting someone's turkey or one thing or another. So we swap keep swapping mum's turkey. And it goes from a twenty pound to an eighteen to a fifteen to a twelve, back up to a fourteen. And then Christmas Eve, we, usually as we lock in door on Christmas Eve, we forget an order, and someone comes in and takes mum's turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's all for nothing. <laughs> so usually we, uh, I mean, to be fair, we've had all sorts on our Christmas table. Then I, I could tell you, I mean, like, three years ago we had a goose, three pheasants, two partridge, and half a turkey breast left. So we had to cook all that because that's. We'd sold mum's turkey and we didn't have none spare, so we had, yeah. to, we had to go with what we left, and that's what we left at the end of the day. So things like goose, for example, we were talking about this today, actually. Do you get requests for things like goose? Because goose that... has dried, it's died off. It's when we when I when I was sixteen, seventeen, we used to sell quite a lot of geese. There were I bet we're selling nearly fifty geese a year. We struggled to sell six now. 
they've really we really struggled to push the geese. People just they're not that bothered about them. They're expensive. They're a lot dearer than a turkey as well. Are they? Yeah. But for race, I mean, a five kilo, a proper free range five kilo geese will cost you probably about 50, 60 pound. Right. Whereas yeah. that you can get a 14, 15 pound turkey. So it's a lot of um, a lot of difference like And do you think people, um, you know, don't, people seem to get quite put off, don't they, by things that they don't have a clue about? They don't have a clue how to cook them or they, they don't quite think, you know, eating goose is... Is the yeah, thing to do, I, I think people's changed in a way that they're not they're not as frightened as what they once were of cooking or trying new foods. Yeah. Uh, pre pre COVID, yeah, they really struggled, but since COVID, people's got used to being at home and cooking good meals, and they're not frying to have a good a nice lump of brisket now, or they're not frying to having a, it, even like breasting turkeys. We get people now they wanted they want legs off, they want legs on, they want to take wings off. Can you can you take this bit of bone out? Can you slice it in half? I've seen this on on TikTok or whatever else. Can you do this to my turkey? And we get loads and loads of strange requests. And you, as butchers, we've got to try and keep up with them because the requests more cooking is getting more elaborate, and the way people are cooking is getting more is changing. And the requests that people are asking for is getting is changing as well. So as butchers, we've got to sort of go along with it, and we've got to figure out ways to to keep us customers happy. Otherwise, they'll go somewhere else. That's someone else that is doing these things, aren't they? Yeah, and I think as well, Christmas is that time of year where you know we have our Christmas lunch, obviously, and then we do it all again, don't we, on Boxing Day? So it's it's yeah. actually a good thing in terms of it's a time to teach people how to use leftovers and, and waste as well. Yeah, I mean, people's always used leftovers because everyone buys a, a fourteen pound turkey when really they could get by with a ten pound turkey. Don't they want to eat? Christmas dinner for a week afterwards, don't you? You've got to have turkey curry and turkey lasagna and turkey leftovers for at least a week afterwards, and you? That's part of the parcel of Christmas, isn't it? Absolutely, until you're sick of saying but, the word turkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as butchers, it's, it's, it's the time we've got to get right because there's a lot of people sat around a table eating a turkey. So we're not just trying to impress the person that's bought the turkey. They might have family there, they've got friends there, they've got relatives, they've got other people around that table that and probably never used us as butchers before. And yeah. if they get there and they sit down and have a bad turkey, they're not going to come. Whereas they get a, a nice turkey that's the best turkey they've ever had, they're going to take great comfort and faith in that butcher, aren't they? So we're actually, might actually be appealing to potentially 10 or 12 new customers throughout the year. So we've got to make sure that that turkey is the best turkey that they can we can possibly offer. Yeah, that's a great point. And just going back to what you said about, you know, people having um, a change in how they're staying at home cooking things, etc. We obviously spoke a few weeks ago about, um, you know, different people coming through the shop, but has there been a rise over the last few years in people coming to the shop to buy their meat for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, massively. Uh, supermarkets have had it wrong, have got it wrong for the last few years, haven't they? They've, they've, a lot of people's bought a lot, ended up with a lot of rotten turkeys. A lot of people's ended up with not the meat that they, they probably want. And, the, the thing, the key with going to a butcher is it's, it's one-on-one. If I sell them a, a bad turkey, nine times out of ten, they will come and tell me that they've had a bad turkey, and I'll go out of my way to make sure it's right. And we've even been around on Christmas Day delivering turkeys because things have not gone right or gone to plan. So, And that personal customer relation, they don't get that in a supermarket. And if it's wrong in a supermarket, it's just like, well, you're just a customer, whatever, go somewhere else. Whereas for me, we're like trying to encourage people to come back throughout and support us throughout the year. Yeah. So, like, and then when I go back to when I was speaking earlier about things that the way that 
cooking's ch- cooker is changing, people's food and eating habits changing. They can't get that in, in a supermarket. You, could, you can't go to a supermarket and say, I want a four river beef French trimmed with this, this, and that, because there's nobody there that can do it. And if they haven't got any stock in the shelf, you're not going to get it. So they've got to come to a butcher to get that service that they want or that piece of meat that they've seen a, a recipe or a, a chef on telly doing. They're not going to be able to get it from a supermarket. They're going to have to go to an independent butcher like me or, or somebody else that says, actually, I've seen this guy doing this with this river beef. Can you do that? And we go, yeah, of course we can. But you're not going to get that from any supermarket. So that's that's the point that the, the plus that butcher shops got it. It's one thing that they've probably got a future of it because a lot of places can't do what we can do. Yeah. And what about what about younger people then? Because I don't know. It's almost uh, it's almost a thing now, isn't it, for like the next generation, the younger a younger generation, to they all want to know where the food comes from. Have you seen a change? Yeah. Have you seen a change in you know the the age range of people that come through as well? Uh, we have since we talked to TikTok, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the the whole reason we went on on TikTok was for that reason. It was it was it was to educate the younger people because for a young person that's never been to a butcher shop, it can be quite daunting and intimidating, mm-hmm. uh, and especially if you don't know, don't really know what you're asking for. So we get a lot of customers that come, the, the younger ones will come and say, "I want some mints." And we say, well, how much mince would you like? And they go, uh, it come, I usually buy in a packet. Mm-hmm. So I tell people that they know, usually in a packet, it's 600 grams. 600 grams will feed a family of four, a nice shepherd's pie or pasta, whatever you're doing. All right, great, that's it. So it, And and they're quite embarrassed about asking. So the, one of the reasons that, that, that we, we went on TikTok and social media was to try and educate the younger generation. It weren't aimed at the older generation. It was, it was purposely aimed at the younger generation to try and teach them that, you know, meat don't come in a packet. This is real life. It's where it comes from. And if you're going to a butcher, then you need to ask for these joints. And don't be frightened or put off by or intimidated going to a butcher because it, it is quite daunting. Uh, please come and have a chat to us. You know, we're, we're friendly. We're a service. We're, we're, we're providing you a service as well as selling you meat. But we are salesmen at the end of the day and we will try and help you pick the best meat out that you want for that time. If you want to, if you're having a cheap meal, you want a bit of chicken, a bit of mince, no problem. We'll sort that out. But if you want something a bit, bit, bit more special for you and your husband on a Valentine's night or your mum and dad's coming around for tea and you want to impress them, we can sort that as well. Yeah. And that kind of leads me on to my next question really, which is obviously, you know, we are going into a, a period of, a, you know, a price crisis where a lot of people are looking at how they shop and where they shop, where they can cut down on costs, etc. But we are also trying to say to people, you know, you need to be shopping local in some areas of your, of your shopping because, one, it's, you know, supporting that local business, it's supporting economy. But actually, like you said, you know, people coming in for a chat, once you get to know someone, you can get to know what they need and you can help them uh, pick this or pick that. I think there's, you know, a real element there that we can capitalise on. Yeah. I think people's been misled for, for, for so many years that it's become normal. I was talking to a nutritionist on in Saturday and she came to the butcher shop. She's been coming for about three months and she was saying that our meat is no dearer than the supermarket meat because she buys six chicken fillets from a supermarket, which will probably cost her six pounds, whereas in our butcher shop, three chicken fillets is six pounds. But she gets more goodness and more meals out of the three chicken fillets from here than she does out of the six chicken fillets from a, a supermarket. So she says it, it's 
it's just swings and roundabouts. I know I'm eating better quality meat, and it's not. It, it seems like it's costing me a lot more because I don't feel like I'm getting as much. But actually, when you work it out, it's no different. Yeah, and I think it's just telling people that story, isn't it? Yeah, and and, and it's, back, it's back to education. It's back. It's back to to people to the. To, to especially the younger generation, to not to let them know that you know we're here and you know you need to come and ask for these things, but they'll be put off by it. And it's an education, and I think the older generation have not have, have not taught the younger generation what their mums taught them. Mm, because yeah. their their grandmas and grands taught their kids to butcher shops at greengrocer, to dairy from to milkman. They went, you know, and, and it was just sort of inbrained. It, it weren't you didn't go to the supermarket these things. You this is where you went to, and it just sort of passed down to a generation, but the older generation have not passed on to their kids. They've gone to supermarkets and they've just put in a basket and carried on. And, and the next, our generation now and the younger generation think it's normal to go to the supermarket and, and put it in. But all of a sudden, they're, they're questioning it. Actually, this isn't normal. Maybe I need to go to a butcher shop and I'm getting a better service from a butcher shop. And the meat and the, is, and the vegetables and everything else we get from independent is better. And it's a personal service that I'm, I'm paying for that personal service. Yes, it's a little bit dearer, but the quality of the product is far superior to what I'm getting. Yeah. So it's just, again, it's just, it's going back to educating the, the generation that's lost that that link. And until so we can bring, when that's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing, we, we're trying to we're trying to fill that link back to your independent retailers, whether you come to Spores or a butcher shop or a, a fishman or a, a greengrocer, it's it's we we are that we're trying to fill that link to say you know come and come and support us. You'll be better off in in long run. Absolutely, and I was just about to say you know that um you know the market that you can target on TikTok it it's it's the perfect way in, isn't it? But just to end on um, a festive note, what would you say? What's your favourite thing on a Christmas Christmas dinner, Matt? Oof, Christmas dinner. I'm a massive lover of their uh, of leftovers, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm usually hanging a little bit on their uh, on Christmas mornings, bit better. Uh, so I do like leftovers, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put it out there. Bread sauce, right? My okay. Auntie, my, auntie, my auntie makes bread sauce, and it's the nicest thing you'll ever taste in your life. Really? Okay. I wasn't yet threw a bit of a curveball yeah, at me there. I wasn't there, expecting that. I think we're, we're so busy at Christmas. We live on like bacon sandwiches, sausage sandwiches, turkey sandwiches. They literally we have when we can eat, we eat quickly. Pork pie, sausage rolls. It's it's all on hand. We're serving customers, rushing about. We don't have any time for meals, so we're just grabbing. So when Christmas Day comes round, you're a bit meated out. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're yeah. a bit. So when my auntie Lizzie brings this bread sauce, and it's like, I want it first. Everyone <laughs> get the bread sauce. <laughs> oh, I love that. No, that's brilliant. Thank you. That was great to hear from Matt and fantastic to hear that a historic family business is still going strong and adapting to modern times. But up next is farming family blogger Beth Withers. She has almost 12,000 followers on her Instagram account, Tractors and Tweed. And here is a little snippet into her life at Christmas time. For anyone who doesn't know anything about you, can you just tell everyone maybe a little bit about yourself about the farm about the family uh, and a little bit about obviously um your your blog as well 
Yeah, so I'm Beth. I'm not from a farming background and I married into a farm. So I married my husband who, who has a fifth generation family farm. Um, we now have three children under, or well, four and under, so quite a young family on that farm. The farm itself is fifth generation. Um, it's about 400 acres of owned and rented, and it has about 60 suckler cows, 400 ewes, and then they do about 100 acres of crops as well. And the local village has the family butchers, so we have a really nice fill-to-fork story, and everything that we do at the farm obviously then feeds into the butchers. So really busy in terms of the farm and the butchers. And then on top of that, I also obviously came from the corporate world so I have a four day a week corporate job that I still continue to do alongside everything else and I'm an active farmhand on the side so I get involved this time of year it's the shop but tends to be lambing or farming whatever else is needed alongside the kids so quite a big journey quite a big learning curve for me getting into the farming industry and now mixing the corporate world and a family on top of everything. Uh, yeah, not not much then, Beth. I, quite, I feel quite tired just uh, <laughs> listening to all of that. <laughs> Do you want to just tell people, um, you know, about your children, uh, what they're called and, and how old they are? Because, you know, you really are juggling a lot yeah. here. So we have Henry, who's our eldest, who's four. And then we've got George, who's our middle one, who is three. And then our newest addition is Jack, who has just gone one. So four-year-old, three-year-old and a one-year-old. So quite challenging from a farming perspective child care perspective if you look at health and safety with farms and everything so it's quite a challenge because of their ages at the moment they're pretty hands-on so um yeah they're quite a handful at the moment but they love it. i was going to say you know what are they like right now because we are so near the big day are they do they know what's going on what what have you guys been up to the eldest definitely does very excited very aware so the, the four-year-old the three-year-old is kind of then taken along by it. So super excited. I think he kind of gets an inkling, but he's just going with the eldest. The young one has no idea, but is just pulling all the baubles off the tree and joining <laughs> in generally in the merriment. Um, so a lot of excitement in our house. And they haven't, obviously they're quite young, so they haven't got the concept of time. So every day it's that, is it Christmas day yet? Is it Christmas day yet? So we've got all that going on, um, but very excited. We. Because of the shop, the shop obviously is the busiest thing, busiest time of year. We peak quite early. So we've seen Santa, we've done our light trails all at the beginning of December so that we can then focus on the shop and the farm. So they do get quite excited and quite early. Our trees were both up for the first December. So we're quite Christmassy quite early on. Woman after my own heart there. The tree has to be up by December, if not November. That's it. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> a lot of effort. I wouldn't want to put it up any later because all the effort to get the decorations out the loft and put it all up. I think, yeah, let's uh, get our time's worth from it. Exactly. And there's not there's not more, there isn't a more magical time no. than Christmas, is there? If you've got children, um, you know, let's just, the past two years have been pretty awful, haven't they? Let's just, right. I think, yeah. let's just go for it this year. Um, but winter in the countryside, you know, it's, it's a nice place to be um, throughout throughout Christmas. You know, we've got, I don't know about you, but I've got snow outside my window today. I think there's nothing more beautiful than looking out um, over a countryside scene, you know, in, in the winter. Um, what is it, you know, what, what's your favourite thing about uh, Christmas in the countryside? I think if I said the farm, when we're down the farm as a family, 
we don't last long i'll be honest because in this cold the little ones soon get cold so we're out out of it very quickly but the when you unwrap that silage and all the cows and you see all the steam coming off the cows and the silage and in the background you've got all the crisp fields it's a really really beautiful sight um so it's definitely that's steam, and if anybody knows what I'm talking about, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people <laughs> knowing yeah. what you're on about there. That's my favourite site. Yeah, it's really, really lovely to see, and then obviously to see the, the children sort of bimbling about in the background of it. It's lovely. It's really nice. Um, and let's talk about um, the day itself then, because I love hearing about um, what other people get up to and how they plan the day. But but the most important thing, obviously, is food um yeah. you know what will you get how will you celebrate on christmas day is it traditional turkey have you got any um you know secret kind of recipes that you're willing to give us or you know what what will you guys be doing for christmas dinner so christmas dinner is very traditional in our house so it is a whole turkey um obviously from the butcher shop but very very traditional traditional trimmings we don't have any Thing that I would say is unusual. We do have things like cauliflower cheese, but I think that's completely normal. Um, the, the normal array of vegetables and of course, pigs in blankets, their personal favorites. So we have nothing that is untraditional on Christmas day. The same with puddings. We do have a family recipe for mince pie and for Christmas cake. So we'd make those and have those, but again, very traditional. We do occasionally have apple pie, but um, it, it kind of, some years we think, oh, this is too much, we shouldn't do it, so we don't make it. And then the next year we miss it, so we make it again, and it sort of comes and goes. But there's nothing untraditional. I think it's the food around Christmas, actually, that I personally enjoy more, like the, the ham, when you've roasted the ham and you have it the next day, the sliced leftover ham. Those kind of things, for me, is actually the food that I personally enjoy more than the Christmas Day dinner. Yeah, everyone talks about, you know, that Boxing Day feast as well, isn't it? You're all, it's so strange because everyone's so full. But we just kind of, you know, it's just the way it goes. Um, but do you guys have different meats on Christmas Day? I think, you know, we normally have um, a turkey uh, and a ham. And then my dad's um, special, which is like a, a sausage meat pie. So do you guys have a, vari a variety or is it just turkey? It's just turkey. There's not many of us. So we just have the turkey on Christmas Day. We tend to then on Boxing Day, we'll have a beef or a ham because um, we've got different families. So we'll go to my family on Christmas Day and have the turkey. And then on Boxing Day, we'll go to Thomas family. That tends to be at the farm. And we'll have some beef in a slow cooker or a long cooked gammon, something like that. So we tend to have different meats on different days. So it is just the turkey on Christmas Day. Very traditional. No, that's, that's it. That's what we like to hear. And what about, this is the big question. So... Yeah. Uh, mince pies yeah I, always, I love talking about this because I, I ask everybody this question <laughs> um so do <laughs> I can I can already see how much feedback I'm gonna get from this from what I'm about to say but I love a mince pie yeah. with some cheese on it Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I think that might be, I, I think it, I'm right in saying it might be a thing that's that originated from Yorkshire, um, but yeah. somebody can can pull me up on that if they wish to. So are you a straight a straight cup of tea, mince pie, mince pie and cream? As you've meant, yeah. you know, you've made it quite clear, not, not a piece of cheese. No, we always have brandy butter on the table, but I never have the brandy butter, I'll be honest. I would have whipped cream with mine. Slightly warm, has to be homemade. I'm sorry, I just don't think shop or even touches a homemade mince pie. Has to be homemade mince pies. Just slightly warm after you've had your Sunday dinner with a cup of tea. 
little bit of whipped cream. That to me is perfection. A little bit of icing sugar, just another top, just to that little sweet edge. But that for me is perfection. I think you can keep your cheese, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I think this should be the year that you try that, Beth, and then look, and then okay. you know, let me know if you come over to the dark side. But yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. wait. I'll wait for <laughs> Um. Okay. So festive traditions. You know, yeah. are there any in your house? We always um on Christmas Eve we always make um we always make a batch of mince pies and then we always decorate gingerbread as well have you have you got any of of your own we do we tend to make a gingerbread house there doesn't tend to be a day because it tends to flex around the farm and the shop again as always but there tends to be a gingerbread house at some point slathered with as many sweets as the kids can fit on it so that is always a tradition that I like to do never actually gets eaten everyone just picks the sweets off but that's really nice and then on Christmas day in particular I didn't think we had a tradition until my husband came around it's only when an outsider comes in and you think oh god is that what we do as a family we sit in a circle and you have your sack with your presents and you take it in turns and each person opens a present one by one and we've always done that since I was a little girl you never just rushed in and my husband was so confused. He's like, what's going on? Why is it taking so long? Um, so that's one of our traditions is actually we take it in turns to open presents so that you can really appreciate every present. And that's something we've continued. And then we have something which was inherited from Gigi, which is my was my great grand, which is called the string game. So always after Christmas dinner, when everything's done and there's that lull in the afternoon, out comes the string game. And it's basically what I can only describe as tat, a little bit of tat wrapped up, any, anything you can think of. And there's one per person present on the end of a string. And the string has your name tag on the other end. And then they're basically all put into it. What's a watering can? I don't know why. It must have been what was there at the time, a watering can. And they're left. She does it. She used to do it about two months before Christmas. And they're left so that all the strings get tangled. And basically, if you can imagine, everybody's got their tag with their string. And you don't know which present's yours. And the aim of the game is to get your present first. So some people sort of tug on the string, which makes the knots tighter. And some people are trying to untie them. And um, for me, that's one of our traditions, which, again, my husband had never seen it. So when we pulled out the string game, he sort of was like, what is going on here? But it's a really nice moment. And I can remember that with Gigi, my great grand, all those years ago. And we still do that today. So that's probably one of my favourite traditions. We are trying to introduce a new tradition this year because I thought I'd like to have my own family tradition. When we recently went to um, Brussels, there was like these little pickle ornaments and apparently in Germany you, if they hide this pickle ornament on the tree and whoever finds it on Christmas day it's meant to bring them luck from Saint Nick and they get an extra present so I have spoke to somebody from Germany and they've told me it's not true it's not a German tradition but we're introducing it and we're doing it so this year I have a pickle hidden on the tree and we're going to start a new tradition this year just to see what happens. I love that and do you know what isn't that what this is all about you know when your children get older they're going to be reciting these stories you know to their children and, and and for me that is what Christmas is you know it's all about it's all about family um okay so just out of interest actually Beth has you know when we, if you the farm shop have you seen um a good uptake actually in people coming to buy um you know the the, the meats from you guys for the Christmas period we have this year. I think we saw obviously a massive spike when COVID started and there was the supermarket issues. And then it kind of dropped off quite a lot, actually, as people moved back towards supermarkets and convenience. But we have seen a bigger uptake this year, which 
I think we're probably quite surprised by, um, given the current economic climate. But I think people are starting to look for that quality and they see the farm, they see our tractors driving up and down. And it's really nice to have that village connection and to know they're going to get that quality Christmas dinner. So we have seen a really nice uptrade this year, which is really good. It's keeping the lads at the shop nice and busy. Well, that's great to hear. Like you say, after everything that we've um, you know been through with um, turkeys, etc., that's uh, that that's great to hear. Um, okay, so if you could sum up your Christmas uh, in the countryside or Christmas on farm in three words, what would those three words be? Well, I'd say busy. I'd start at busy because busy is what we are. I would then say beautiful because it's a kind of beautiful busyness where everything looks very pretty and nice. And then I would have to say family because at the end of it, when everything's said and done and the shop and the farm is all closed and fed, it's all about the family and having that quality time together to just switch off and play some games and make some memories. I agree. I think that's um, I think that's the perfect three words to sum up uh, most people's Christmases, isn't it? So yeah, great. definitely. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are now ready for the festivities ahead. We'll be back next week with another fantastic Over the Farmgate episode. But for now, it's goodbye and, of course, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.